0: Chapter Ten, Romans, Chapter Ten, and we'll look there in a moment. <clears throat> Hope you'll write some things down. I believe it will help you. You know, we we get into trouble when we make assumptions, don't we? Um, we say things we shouldn't say. We make decisions that we shouldn't make, and we we have regrets. Most all of our regrets are based on wrong assumptions. Sometimes people make wrong assumptions uh, in the area of music. Uh, For example, most people that don't play an instrument, I'm just going to talk about the piano. It could be uh, most any instrument, but I play the piano a little bit. And most people that don't play the piano, they, they assume that everybody that plays the piano can play by ear. And that just simply means that they don't need any sheet music, that they can just hear a song. And they can play it. And some songs are a little bit more difficult to play by ear than others. But uh, I've been in church services before where, where a, a well-intentioned pastor or, or a guest speaker, they'll think of a, a song maybe during the invitation or, or maybe during fellowship time or something. They'll look over at the, uh, at the accompanist and they'll say, hey, let, let's, sing, let's sing that. Let's do that. And I can tell by, and you've been there too, I can tell by the terrified expression on on their face that, oh, man. And then sometimes they they make a gallant effort at it. But uh, I I really feel sorry for them. And uh, the truth is, is that not everybody is able to do that. It's a frustrating thing to be asked to do something that, that you're not able to do or that you don't know how to do. I was uh, calling a football game once at the stadium. And I during a break, I, I mentioned a song that I like. And there were two officials up there. One runs a game clock. The other, other runs the field clock, the play clock. And uh, one of them was a lady, a lady official. She was running the, the field clock. And she pulled her phone out. And she said, what's the name of that song? And I told her, and she put it down. And because we had a little break there, I said, you like music, don't you? She said, oh, I love music. I said, well, here's how I know. I said, only people that love music write songs, down." I said, I do that too. And she said, do you play any instruments? I said, yes, ma'am, I, I, I play the piano. And she said, I play the piano. I said, you do? She said, I play at church. She said, do you play by ear? I said, yes, ma'am, I do a little bit. I play by ear or something. And she says, I'm trying to learn. How do you do that? I said, well, you can learn to do that, boy. She just lit up. And I said, well, there, there are some things that I can tell you. And She came, she left her place and came over and stood by me and brought a piece of paper. And she said, I want you to write it down. And uh, the break was about over. And I said, well, look, um, why don't after the game you stay a few minutes and I will, I will go over these things with you because we're not going to have time right now. And so in between the little breaks every now and then, i write a few notes down so we wouldn't have to stay real long. And after the game, uh, just patiently went through some real basic things. I said, if you can learn this and, and do this, and here's two or three things that will help you that you can learn to play by ear. And these are the things that I do intuitively, but later on I figured out, this is how I'm doing that. And nobody ever told me. But this, this is how you can learn that. And she was, she was so grateful because she wanted to, to learn how to do that. Now, if you're here and you want to do that, you need to call that lady because I don't have time <laughs> to help you with that. But it, it's frustrating when, when people ask you to do something and you can't do that. And I think that perhaps, perhaps the, the most guilty party in the world of doing that is the local church. We ask people to do things that we do not train them for. We don't resource them for. Uh, We're we're good recruiters. We we put people in position, but we don't resource them. We don't give them books and and training and and encouragement along the way. We just kind of plug holes. One of the vital roles, one of the foundational roles of a pastor... According to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 12, is that he's to be an equipper. He's to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. The word equip means to supply what is missing. It's used when a boat would come in after a long trip, or a ship rather, and they would have to load the supplies that they had used. And so they equip the boat. It's gone, so they need to equip the boat. And so people come to church and they need equipping. And that's one of the purposes of the pulpit. You don't just say, you need to read your Bible. You need to tell them how. I've learned this that the sermons that I preach here that the people are the most thankful for are not the prophetic sermons. Now, I'm telling you, if you don't read the Bible, here's what's going to happen to your family. Those are motivating sermons, they're the equipping sermons here's how you read your Bible. These are the steps. And here's, here's what will happen for you when you do those things. Because they're helpful sermons. Now God has put us here, every church and every Christian, to reproduce ourselves. We are to make disciples that make disciples. We win people to Jesus. We bring people to Jesus so that they can bring other people to Jesus that will do the same. That when we are gone, that it's reproducing. And that's why... You are here. Somebody won you to Christ that won them to Christ, and you go way, way, way back into history. Would you imagine a funnel or a triangle, if you would, and invert it? So put the small part um, at, the, at the bottom. And that's the entry point, and that is uh, making a disciple. That's evangelism. And uh, you would divide it into three sections, and actually, the first section is, is very small. Because that's an instantaneous experience. That's salvation. That's when you bring someone to Christ, uh, making a disciple. And then after a person is saved, it, is you teach them about sanctification. And that's maturing disciples. That's helping them to grow. And by the way, these things take time. Sometimes it takes time to win people to Christ. Sometimes it doesn't. But sometimes it takes time of investing and, and caring for them. And and then to to help them to grow and develop, you're not just supposed to win them and leave them. Uh, the Bible says in Matthew chapter twenty eight to teach them to observe things which I have commanded you. Jesus said. And then the third stage is multiplying disciples. That's that's service. That's teaching them how to serve the Lord and to reproduce themselves. So God has not just called us to to evangelize the world. He's asked us to do that, but he, He's asked us to make disciples. Of the world, and, and there's a difference. It's not just the the entry point; it's making disciples, but the, the full the full uh, funnel, or the full triangle is important. But I want to focus on the first part because you cannot have life without birth, and you cannot have disciples without salvation. And for many weeks now, we have talked about evangelism, and I want to close this emphasis out today, not permanently, but today. So the question comes, how how do we accomplish this? This is not hype. I'm not going to motivate you, but I want to instruct you on on how to do that. In your Bible, notice in, in Romans chapter 10, look at verse 12, and you will see some deductive reasoning on how that a person comes to Christ and our responsibilities. Romans chapter 10 and verse 12. I love verse 12. Look at this. For there is no difference between the Jew and Greek. And here it is, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. Isn't that good? I love that. He's rich unto all that call upon him. We were paupers, but now we're wealthy in Christ. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now I have this underlined, how then? When we're talking about how to do things, he says, how then? Shall they, that is lost people, call on him in whom they have not believed? It's a rhetorical question. Well, people can't be saved if they don't know about Christ. And how? There it is again. How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how? These are questions. Shall they hear without a preacher? A preacher has to be there, or a witness, not just the preacher behind the pulpit, but those that will give the gospel. And how shall they preach except they be sent notice these questions they're how questions how do you how do you do this someone has got to be sent to preach to tell them about Christ as it is written how now this how if you'll notice at the end of the statement there is an exclamation point this is not a question and how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things Here's what he says. He said, these are people that have beautiful feet because of their message. It's a message of peace. Brother Price sang some about that this morning. We have a gospel of peace where we can reconcile with God. We can be reconciled to one another in his glad tidings. Um, I, I kind of was thinking about this, that uh, when the doctor came in and, and that night... And uh, Jeremiah was with us recently, and uh, we had a little family get together, and he called me over to the corner of the room. He said, Daddy, I I haven't played this for you, but I taped this. And it was when the doctor came in and told us that my mom had passed away. He he recorded that on his phone. I I remember it's burned in my memory, but he played it back for me. And as I listened and recalled that, I thought about that when I heard this. How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring tidings of good things? Now here's why people have beautiful feet when they bring good tidings. Because I, I, I don't resent that doctor. I, I, I had met him before and we went back and talked to him. and went over some things and so forth. But what if what if the what if the message was different? Uh, those would be glad tidings. She survived the surgery. She's going to do well. Boy, that would be a different thing. How how beautiful would the messenger be? The feet of that messenger, and and the idea is not literally the feet. It's him coming in to tell us. Now, what he's saying is, when you come in and you have a message of the gospel, because the gospel is what saves people. The death of Christ, his burial, his resurrection over sin, over death, over the grave. That's that's a great message. That's what people need. They need that now more than they ever have. And they'll be listening more than they ever have. So today I want to give you the most simple, practical ways to tell people about Christ and to win them to Christ. And I've given you some other things in recent weeks. I hope that you are applying these things. Uh, We use CPR, cultivation, plant, and reap before you can um, cultivate. There's always a cultivation of the soil before the seed is planted, and then there must be the seed planted before the harvest comes. It's always in that order. And then when you reverse it, the reaping of the harvest is because someone did the hard work of, of planting. Sometimes people reap, and they'll say, well, I'm one that Christ person to Christ. Well, you spent maybe ten minutes with them. Somebody else did the work. You reap the harvest, and reaping can be hard work. But someone did the hard work of cultivation. And someone else did, did, did the hard work of planting. But here's what happens. If someone fails to do their job, there's no harvest. And I don't want there to be a harvest in your life. I don't want you to stand before Jesus and not have a harvest. Someone said to me recently after these messages, and was very honest. They said, you know, Brother Rick, as I, as I heard the message, I, I thought to myself... When I go to heaven, will I have anybody there to greet me and say, thank you for telling me about Jesus? They no, were very honest. I want to ask you that question. Will you have anybody there or somebodies that will come up to you and say, thank you for telling me about Christ? Thank you for you may not have led me to Christ, but I found out in heaven that you cultivated the seed you planted the seed. It's not all about reaping. It's a teamwork in 1 Corinthians 3. Let me give you a couple of thoughts. First of all, if we're going to win people to Christ, we must lift up Jesus. It's not about your opinions. It's not about even your church. Where do you go to church? It's not about your convictions. It's, it's not even about your doctrinal statement. And I'm all about... Having proper doctrine, I believe your church is important. But the most important thing is is to get them to Jesus. Lift up Jesus in everything that you say, and everything that you do. Talk about Jesus. I, I love the song, little chorus. Let's talk about Jesus, the King of kings is He, the Lord of lords, and so forth. Talk about Jesus. In John chapter 12 and verse 32, the Bible says, Jesus said... And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. He's talking about the cross. And two times there, he says, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. It's not about your good life. It's not about how you've trained your family. God can use what he's done in your life. I taught you how to give your testimony. He can use those things and he will use those things. But ultimately, it's what Jesus has done. You want to defer any good thing in your life to Christ. I remember when my father died in in 2008. And at his funeral, I I was sharing some things about my father. And there were so many lost people there that day. That when I I finished my part and I, I said, I want you to know that. My dad would have me share this, said if there's any good thing that you saw in the life of Cotton Johnson, it was because of Jesus. And I gave his testimony about how that daddy came to Jesus. And if there's anything good, if you're a Christian, if there's anything good in your life, it's because of Jesus. It's not about your personality or the cleverness of your presentation or if you can debate good. I'll be honest with you, that turns people off. They're not looking for debate. Sometimes I see debating on Facebook about Christianity and so forth, and I think some people think well that that uh, people like that well, well, perhaps there's some that do, but my opinion would be if if you want to do that, do that privately. I think the world looks looks on that externally, and they say well, there they go again, those Christians fighting and and we have a reputation lift up Jesus now there's more too. The Bible, than just witnessing and so forth, there, there's a lot in the Bible about how to live. And it all points to Jesus. But if you're going to bring a person in, into the family of God, you must lift up Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's not the gospel of the church. It's not the gospel of the baptistry. Not church membership. It's the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation to everyone that believeth. Now, here's what happens: sometimes you'll be ministering to people, and I, I told you last week that you, you may not bring them to Christ, and they're struggling to admit that they're a sinner. And the best thing you can do is just get them to come to the place where they realize that they're lost. There are so many people that think they're righteous and they're not, and you can't you can't get saved until you realize that you're lost and And sometimes you don't you don't need to go and have them bow in prayer if, if if you can't get saved until you're convicted of your sins. remember when you were under conviction? boy, I do. I was only nine years old, but I remember I couldn't wait to get saved. I thought if my heart stopped beating, I was going to go to hell. I was a little boy I wanted to go to I want to go to heaven. Well, the same thing is true of the grace of God. We are so proud. Listen carefully that people still want to do something. And so when you talk to them about the gospel, they say, oh yeah, I believe Jesus died for me and salvation is free. But in the back of their mind, they still think they have to do something. That's my wife's testimony, if you've ever heard it. Paula grew up in a Bible-believing church that believed you were saved by grace. But for 30 years of her life, she believed that she still had to do something. She won people to Jesus. Part of it was because, not all of it, but part of it was because many of the churches that she had grown up in, they believed in salvation by grace, but sanctification by works. And what happens is you get the two confused at certain points. And so just like a person needs to understand their loss, they need to understand that salvation is by grace. There may be somebody here that, that you're a church member and you've never been saved because you think you can earn your salvation. There's nothing good in you. There's nothing good in you. Nothing. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. Why? Lest any man should boast. There's no boasting in heaven. None. Our boast is in Christ. We've had services here. We're, I remember one service. We had, we had uh, one Easter. We had five people say four of them were church members, faithful church members. I asked them. I said, tell me, tell me how that you, uh, why you made that sit." I never understood it. Now I want you to understand something. I preach the same verse and I preach the same way I preach now. But they were 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16. But what happens is it just washes off. Yeah, I'm saved. But you've got to come to the place and your converts have to come to the place where they realize it's the grace of God. Romans chapter 4 and verse 5. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly. That's my state. That's your state. Before you come to Christ, you're ungodly. You believe on Him, His faith, which is nothing. The only righteous thing that you can do is believe, period. And that brings you righteousness, the righteousness of Christ. We had a lady that was saved in our church, and she raised her hand. And I went to her, and I talked to her about how she came to Jesus. And she said, uh... I noticed you raised your hand. You've been coming to church here for a while. She said, yes. Said, well, tell me, tell me why you did that. Reviewed, and she got saved that day. I said, why, why did you do that on, on that particular day? And here's what she said. She said, Rick, I never heard it that way. And it wasn't the cleverness of the presentation. It was the grace of God. You just have to turn loose. He said, well, that's kind of scary. Absolutely, but you're falling into the hands of God. Sometimes we, we glibly read over Romans 10, 13, which is where I end up in my presentation of the gospel. Typically, I use other places. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we just read that. For whosoever that's anybody, shall call. If you'll just call upon the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. But read the whole verse. What is the name? What is the name of the Lord? The name of the Lord is Jesus. Jesus means Savior. Jesus is Savior because He came to save sinners. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord assumes that I know that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. So when you come to the end of, of understanding the gospel in Romans chapter 3 and Romans 6 and Romans 5 and Romans 10. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, you're coming to the place where, where I'm lost and I'm condemned. And, and you're lifting up Jesus. Lift up Jesus in everything, in everything that you do. Their church at Corinth was, was really mixed up. They had a lot of problems. And when Paul wrote to them, he 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 laid some things down because they had a lot of sin in the church. And notice what he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9. Look at this. He said, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. "Now, Now Some of you, your lifestyle, this is your consistent lifestyle. He said, Unrighteous people aren't going to heaven. Now, righteousness comes through Jesus. It's not by your works. But when you're in Christ, He changes your heart. There's a transformation in your life. Now watch this. Don't be deceived about this. Don't think, well, I prayed a prayer. I walked down the aisle. I was baptized. Have you been transformed? Has Grace is not only free, but it's transforming. Romans chapter 6. Be not deceived. And then it gives a list. Fornicators, neither Fornicators nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate. Do you know, you know what this is? These were male prostitutes that were in a temple there in the city of Corinth that were, that were cross-dressers. And they were dressing up, committing unspeakable things. Nor abusers of themselves with mankind related to the same thing. Nor thieves. Now, isn't this interesting? Nor covetous. And he said, Well, hold on, preacher. Sometimes I'm that. He's talking about a habitual lifestyle. Nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, angry people, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. He says, The grace of God will transform your life. But I love verse 11. I love verse 11. And such were, this is past tense, he's talking to the church, such were some of you. And he's writing this letter, and he says, I've shaken your hand. I remember years ago that when I first took the church, I've told you this story, I think. And uh, we had a a, a very a dear, precious family. And I, I've seen him a couple of times out, but. They, about seven or eight months, they, they stopped coming, and I talked to them, and, and uh, I said, "What's going on? I mean, have I offended you? Is, is everything OK? What's... He said, "Well, he said, "I think that you're soft on homosexuality." I said, "Well, w- why would you say that?" He said, "Well you think homosexuals can be saved?" Well, I came from Washington, D.C. for a while. Next to San Francisco, the, the greatest concentration of, of sodomites is, is in Washington, D.C. I, I worked with uh, some to help redeem their lives, some in my youth ministry, some others that were in the church there. I'll be honest with you, I, I had never been exposed to anything like that. It, it was different. I, I learned some things about how to, how to help people. And I said, well, well, don't you believe lost people can be saved? He said, yeah, but I don't think they, they could be saved. Because of my experience in D.C., I, I understood that I knew the kind of person. He was categorizing people. And very kindly, I said to him, I called his name. I said, look, I said, I mean this with all sincerity. You don't know who you're shaking hands with in our church every Sunday. You don't know who. I said, "It's it's not who you think." And such were some of you. And in this room, such were some of you. You were extortioners. You were liars. You were fornicators. You were covetors. Notice this conjunction, this divine conjunction. But, but now you're washed. But now you're sanctified. But now you're justified, and here it is, in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. Now it's different. He has made a difference in your life. You're different now because of the name of Jesus Christ. He has saved you. He has transformed you. You are brand new lift him up lift up Jesus in everything that you do you, you ought not just defer to him in your life as he is the Lord and, and defer to him in decisions but even when people compliment you you're very diligent at work thank you, thank you very much uh, I, I, I want to honor the Lord in all that I do I've noticed, I've noticed your family. You and your wife get along, and and your children are obedient. Thank you. We, we want to honor the Lord, and and we, we follow follow God's ways. You say, "Well, preacher, I don't want to be self righteous," and I understand sometimes there's a fine line. But I'll tell you, most of it has to do with the tone of your voice, and the way that you carry yourself in humility. But you need to lift up Jesus, and all all that you say. And honor Him. Because He said, If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto Me. Now, here's your assignment this week. And I'm going to close. I have much more to share with you. But I'm going to bring it back next week. Here's what I want you to do. This week. Today. Not just once. But I want you to be conscious Of Jesus. As I went to sleep last night and I began to think about this. I I thought about Jesus. Not just Jesus name. Like just reading it black and white on paper. But I thought about Jesus the person. Jesus is heaven. There's a song that says and I love it. I don't know if you sing it price. That Jesus Jesus to me is what heaven will be. Sometimes I look that up on on YouTube and I just listen to it. I put my earphones in and I just listen to that. listen to music a lot. That that helps me. And I just thought about some of my favorite songs. Jesus, keep me near the cross. One of the lines in that song, I think it's the third verse. it, It asks for the shadow of the cross to be kept over me. And that's my prayer. Lord, keep the shadow. Of the cross over me. I love the old song. He is so precious to me. I love the song. About a couple of times a week. I sing it. Listening to it on Pandora. Uh, The old rugged cross. And all that he did for me. I I want to love Jesus. And I want other people to love Jesus. But they're not going to love him. If we don't exalt his name. And such were some of you, but now you're washed, and now you're sanctified, and now you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. We'll go over here and play something. I want you to sing with it. Sing with me if you know the words, and and we'll be dismissed. Uh, let me see if I can... Uh, I can't sing... Never could sing real good, but now, especially with my voice, let me put it in a lower key for me. Okay, sing with me, if you would. Jesus, keep me near the cross, would you? Jesus, keep me near the cross. A precious found all uh, a healing stream flows from Calvary's mountain That's good in the cross in the cross be my glory. Soul rest beyond the river. There is a name I love to, I love to sing. It sounds like. Now sing this from your heart. Let's pray together, okay? Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son.